0: Up First achieves the rare one-two punches of being short and thorough, national and international, fact-based and personable. Every morning, we take the three biggest stories of the day and explain why they matter. And we do it all in less than 15 minutes. So you can start your day a little more in the know than when you went to sleep. Listen now to the Up First podcast from NPR.
1: College football, the forward pass, and Wichita State's role in gridiron history. I'm Tom Schein, and welcome to The Range.
0: Support for The Range comes from Macow and Gordon Construction, Fidelity Bank, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
1: Coming up, while well, the owners of a new club in Old Town decided to pivot from a sports bar to a music venue.
2: I would say the the whole jazz lounge definitely developed after we learned that my papa son here was uh, on the jazz board.
1: But first, the Rannigan Student Center at Wichita State University contains a series of murals highlighting a number of firsts in school history: first African American football coach in Division One A, first school to offer a comprehensive integrated program in communication, first college to throw a forward pass in football. Uh, well, maybe, but maybe not. A lot of places like to claim to be the birthplace of the forward pass, just the way that everybody likes to claim that George Washington slept here. That's Dr. Dennis Crawford, a historian at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. He says at least two other schools, St. Louis University and the University of North Carolina, also claimed the first forward pass. Passing became part of the college game in 1906, and to understand how that happened, you have to understand what college football was like back then. Mike Kennedy is a longtime voice of Shocker Athletics and is unofficial historian. He says football in that era was brutal. First of all, very little padding, if any, and then the uh, the flying wedge where the lineman locked arms and just led the way, and he had to try to plow through that, and, and that's why, uh, you know, the discussion of the forward pass came up. Teddy Roosevelt, the president, who was a man's man, thought this is getting too brutally rough and there needs to be something happening to to kind of reduce the roughness and brutality a little bit. Roosevelt truly loved college football. Here's his advice on how to play the game.
2: Don't flinch, don't fall, and hit the line hard.
1: But Roosevelt knew that many college presidents wanted to abolish the game after 18 players died in 1905 so he convinced the leading coaches to open up the game with the forward pass. The new rules were put in place ahead of the 1906 season, but Wichita State, then known as Fairmont College, played a game using the proposed rules on Christmas Day in 1905. Fairmont's Bill Davis completed a pass to Art Salter that day against Washburn University in what the New York Times described as a test game. In the first game of the 1906 season, St. Louis University's Bradbury Robinson threw a pass to Jack Schneider. So, who was first? Caitlin Stam is the archivist for St. Louis University. We have a number of notable firsts at the university that we're very proud of, and this is just one of them. So, it's certainly the first legal forward pass. You know, I think that's pretty well documented. Dennis Crawford tends to agree, but... I, I know people always hate this, but neither fan base is wrong. You know, it just depends on how closely you hold that word official. Official or not, shocker broadcaster Mike Kennedy says the Fairmount team still deserves some credit. Yeah, you know, a little pride that Wichita State had the forethinking to give it a try and, and actually see what it looked like. You can find more of this story at KMUW.org. Unlike most live music, jazz is nearly always unscripted. The art form is rooted in freedom and individuality. And a new club in Old Town wants to celebrate that music. For this month's artworks, Torn Anderson talked with Gary Jones and his son Walker about their new venue, Walker's Jazz Lounge.
2: Maybe I've not been there. But, I mean, from what I saw on Friday, we're going to need every single bit of space that we have. We had a little
0: test drive party Friday night for family and friends.
2: Gary and Walker Jones are putting on the finishing touches to their venue, Walker's Jazz Lounge. However, Wichita's newest jazz lounge was originally intended to be a sports bar. Well, oh my gosh. I mean, it's... Number it's, one, there's a lot of sports bars in Wichita. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not a whole ton of opportunity in terms of that that purview. I would say the, the whole Jazz Lounge definitely developed after we learned that my papa son here was uh, on the Jazz Board for a good, what, almost jazz 10 jazz years? The Festival for seven years now. Wichita has a long history with jazz music through some smaller clubs and the Wichita Jazz Festival also being a big part of that history.
0: The Lancers Club downtown there by Century Two was the place in the Midwest for a long time. Sinatra, I mean all the players played there. And of course, the Jazz Festival over its 52 years now, you name any jazz artist that has any notoriety from the past 50 years, and they played at the Wichita Jazz Festival.
2: Wichita also has several notable collegiate jazz programs.
0: So, we're also wanting to make sure that we're embracing the educational aspect of what we can do here in town and giving these aspiring musicians, a place to come play in a true lounge setting.
2: Walker's Jazz Lounge intends to be a relaxed environment suitable for conversation over craft cocktails while listening to live music. There is also a focus on music playback.
0: My involvement with Living Sound, which I founded in in 2010, uh, one of the real important ingredients in the lounge was quality sound. Uh, we've got speakers overhead that really fill the space well uh, and, and just, just let people experience vinyl.
2: Don't think you have to be a jazz aficionado to visit. You know, I don't want this to become simply a place where people want to come and our target market is so tuned in to simply that crowd that we miss out on it just being a fun place before dinner or after dinner to have a date. For The Range, I'm Torin Anderson.
1: Torn Anderson explores the local art scene every first Friday on Artworks. Walker's Jazz Lounge will host its first big show later this month, featuring Kansas native Donna Tucker. And one last thing. Of all the problems in our state to worry about, Kansans are losing their minds over license plates. You might recall that Governor Laura Kelly rolled out a new plate design the day before Thanksgiving. One might think that people would be too busy with the holiday to notice. Wrong. Critics hated everything about it, including that it looked like New York's license plate and that the colors were reminiscent of the University of Missouri. Are there any two things that Kansans dislike more than New York and Missouri? Kelly is asking for a do-over, and this time the public will get to vote. To be honest, I don't even know my license plate number. And I only get worked up about it in October, when it costs me money to renew it. Thanks for joining us on The Range. Our producers for this week's show are Jonathan Huber, Beth Goulet, and Ann Stevens. Our digital producer is Hugo Fan, and Torn Anderson composed our theme music. The executive producer of The Range is Fletcher Powell. I'm Tom Schein, and this is KMUW, NPR for Wichita.